Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 35, Ride the Radio Wave. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have David as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, man. That's great, and I just finished coming off of your episode, but my episode's coming a lot, lot, uh, many months later, so people are going to be like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But uh, no, I had a great time on your show, and now I have you on here, so I would love to learn more about you. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So I am a hobbyist. I have a lot of hobbies. Um, and I started a podcast because of that. Um, I found that I was spending too much time on all of my hobbies and that I was stressed out and trying to uh, always fit it into my hectic life. So I decided rather than doing the logical thing, which would be to have fewer hobbies, I decided to uh, legitimize the time that I was spending on them. So I started a podcast called uh, What Makes You Happy? And it's about hobbies and happiness and the overlap between the two. So <laughs> uh, I am a hobbyist. I My hobby is collecting hobbies. So it's kind of like <laughs> a meta thing to have you on this podcast and I was on your podcast. We're just rubbing each other on our backs, like patting our backs saying, yeah, we got this. We're hobbyists. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. A lot of uh, self-aggrandizing. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're meeting each other and we're becoming friends. And that's what it's all about, being there for the community. Yeah, and we met on Reddit, actually, of all places. It's a great community, if, when it's not toxic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I think it, 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 it's different from one subreddit to another. Yeah. That is very true. That toxic subreddit called Toxic, pretty toxic. <laughs> it doesn't get a whole lot more toxic than toxic. Uh, so yeah, today we're going to talk about your hobby, which is ham radio. Um, yeah. Mind giving a little my latest of many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mind giving a little explanation of what is ham radio. Sure. So ham radio, also known as amateur radio, is um, non-commercial radio. So anyone who has an interest in radio, uh, in being able to transmit radio across the world, um, without being able to make money out of it uh, is eligible <laughs> for uh, becoming a ham operator. Uh, and it, in the United States, it is licensed in most countries. It is, it is re required that you have a license in order to be a ham operator. Um, and different countries have different methods and different tests and different uh, uh, licensing levels. Um, but it all kind of basically works the same way. And when you are licensed, you are able to transmit, you have certain rights on certain frequencies and you'll have, be able to transmit in certain modes, um, and be able to talk to other countries, even talk to each other, talk to other countries, uh, talk to the international space station. Oh man, there is a lot that you can do with it. Wow. I did not know it was that in depth and that complex. Uh, oh man. So have you actually talked to different people from other countries with your ham radio? You're doing it right now because I'm from Canada, but this is not ham radio. This is podcast, but have you done it for ham radio? Right. So I haven't, uh, so I'm, I'm still quite a beginner, uh, when it comes to ham radio, I'm very knowledgeable, but I'm not, uh, fully, um, I have my lowest level of licensing right now. I'm a technician class license, uh, licensee in the United States. And um, to to be licensed at higher levels, it just requires another test. So it's something I will do, um, but I haven't. Now, as a technician, I can transmit on uh, the two meter band and the uh, 70 centimeter band. Uh, both of those are relatively high frequencies. So um, VHF and UHF, respectively. Um, and w the reason that matters is because 
VHF, very high frequency, um, or the two meter band as it's known, is really useful in cities uh, because it it penetrates buildings uh, really well. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't travel really, really long distances. So radio typically travels a line of sight or slightly farther than line of sight because gravity bends it. So it, it'll actually follow the curve of the earth just a little bit. But after that, then it'll hit, you know, the earth and it'll basically just be stopped at lower frequencies, like at HF, which is high frequency. The terminology gets confusing. I know. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, at HF, um, at HF, it doesn't penetrate very well. It doesn't penetrate buildings very well. So the antenna has to be outside. But it does bounce off of the ionosphere and it does bounce off of the earth. And by doing that, it can actually travel much farther. And so when you're on HF, you can talk really long distances. When you're on VHF and UHF, you can talk short distances. That's basically the long thing that I was trying to say. <laughs> no, that's very interesting. It's more complex than people just thinking it's just radio wavelength, uh, waves, radio waves. It's just more in depth and you have to choose on who you want to listen to yes. your radio station, whether you want people abroad yes. listening to it or people next door. I, I say next door, but I mean in a closer distance. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, the thing I like about ham radio is that it's it's a really, really technical uh, field that I just kind of felt like I could sink my teeth into. There's a lot of things that I do that are just kind of fun right off the bat and they're super creative. Ham radio is creative in a certain way in that um, you, you got to get creative in how you're going to use it. But for the hobby itself, just to get into it, it's, it's quite technical. And for somebody like myself who hasn't taken a math class since high school, that was, that was, it was daunting, but also just super enjoyable because the math is actually not that hard. It's mostly just really interesting physics stuff that you got to know. And this is all from trial and error and learning from it. Yeah, um, some of it's from trial and error. I mean, I did buy a uh, uh, the ARRL, the American Re uh, Radio Relay League uh, manual uh, for the technician class license uh, so that I could study. Uh, so there's a really, really good amount of information in there. Um, but, you know, also just the Internet is your friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. So speaking of which, when did you get interested in amateur radio? Was it a person that introduced you to it or was it something you heard on the radio? Um, I got interested in ham radio a couple months ago, probably two, three months ago now, um, purely because it's, it's weird. The thing about me is uh, I have a wide range of interests. One of those interests is codes. I like codes. I think codes are cool. Uh, and so sometimes I make up my own codes and sometimes I learn ciphers that are well known. One of those that I was trying to learn was Morse code. So thinking to myself, Morse code, if I ever actually get this down, have it down pat and I can actually use it, I should have an application in which I can use it. And I was like, one of the only places that Morse code is actually still in use is on ham radio. I should get on ham radio. And so that, that journey began and I fell down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Man, that's pretty cool. That you did, so you learned Morse code all on your own and the internet? Well, yes. Yeah, so I, 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 in theory, no Morse code, but I, I am not skilled enough to either send or receive. Uh, Morse code is is very much like music. You need to learn to read it and you need to learn to speak it mm. um, uh, in order to effectively communicate. So I can tell you what an individual set of dots and dashes are on paper, but just listening to it 
it's a it, to be able to copy that is very it's a skill that I haven't developed yet. So that that's going to take me a little bit more time. And since it's not required for the, the ham radio test anymore, I didn't uh, invest any uh, energy into that. <laughs> well, you got time. There's no rush. You have many hobbies underneath your belt, and this is just Seriously. another one that you can perfect. Now, you did talk about this a little bit earlier on. What other types of equipments do you have for ham radio? So the absolute basics that you'll need to get started in ham radio is really just a handheld transceiver. Uh, so think a walkie-talkie. You can buy them on Amazon for as little as $25. Uh, there is a brand called Baofeng. Uh, I don't really recommend it because talking from a purely technical standpoint, they are uh, badly made. <laughs> They're very messy. They they tend to produce a lot of splatter and spurious emissions and harmonics and all sorts of crazy stuff that you just don't want to be uh, polluting the airwaves with. But if I'm being perfectly honest, it's a, the cheapest way to get into the hobby. It's 25 bucks. You buy it. You can send and transmit. Uh, you can transmit and receive with your local repeaters and and be able to get into the hobby. Much cheaper than podcasting extremely much cheaper. And and you know what? I don't know what the prices are like in the other countries, but in the US, the testing is, is $15 for the test. And when you take that test, if you're really smart and you've studied for all three tests, you can take all of them sitting in one sitting and you'll be fully licensed to the highest degree as soon as it passes through the FCC. That's awesome. And I'm guessing that's what you did, right? Uh, so I did um, just the first level of testing. Not the not the highest level of testing. Oh, you got time. You got you got time. There's no rush, right? Yeah, no rush. No rush at all. The hobby isn't going anywhere. Um, I just I'm I'm antsy to get on the airwaves. You know. Speaking of which, when you are on the airwaves, what are your topics? Um, well, there's a uh, there's a preset uh, preamble that you that you kind of run through with any ham operator that you are able to make contact with. The first is obviously your call signs, um, so that you can identify each other. Um, the second is usually you give a, uh, a signal report. Uh, so you say five by nine, that means loud and clear, essentially. <laughs> um, and then after that, you may ask for somebody's uh, location. You can ask for what their antenna setup is, and then you just start talking about anything. After that, it's, it's basically just regular conversation. So you can literally talk about whatever you want. So it's like the airwave of pen pals. Um, yeah, quite a bit like that. Uh, but, you know... It, what you talk about is largely dependent on why you're talking. So if you're just on the airwaves trying to collect contacts, then you could just be talking about whatever pops into your head. And, you know, you could ask them about a local a local event, you know. Oh, you made a contact in Zurich. Hey, did you hear about that vote that happened recently? You know, whatever it happens to be. Uh, but sometimes when you're making contacts, it's because you're doing something called contesting, which is when you try to get as many contacts in, a sh in as short a period of time as possible. And then in, in that case, you basically just exchange the minimum amount of, amount of information and move on. <laughs> Damn, it's like speed, speed dating. It's very much like speed dating. Yeah. And people do this. People do contesting in Morse code. If that make if that's crazier, cra it's it's absolutely insane to me. Well, so, it's absolutely insane. So it's like speed Morse code, and then up off to the next one. Yeah, and then what what gets really confusing is uh, if you have multiple people sending uh, in Morse code, those most Morse code will overlap, and since there's no tone variability, it's just on or off. It's really difficult to tell one signal from another. <laughs> Jeez, wow! So you have yeah. a, a really good ear to just differentiate all this. 
Yes. Yeah. And add on top of that, that nowadays, a lot of people aren't even sending by hand. They're sending by computer. And so the computer can send Morse code much, much faster than the human can. And it can copy it much more accurately than the human can. So um, if they're sending on a computer and you're trying to receive it just by ear, then it gets really difficult and complicated to be able to master that. (laughs) So now we have somewhat of a grasp of what ham radio is. For you and your personal experience, what would you say is the big difference between ham radio and podcasting? So which, which one brings what kind of joy kind of thing? Like what are the key differences? I would say the biggest difference is independence. So with a podcast, you're largely dependent on infrastructure of many, many different kinds and in many, many different locations. So because podcasting takes place entirely on the internet, that already includes a tremendous amount of infrastructure that is necessary. The internet is huge. It's a massive network of different computers and servers all linked together by physical cables. And then on top of that, you have to buy your really expensive equipment usually just because so much matters, so much of what matters in a podcast is the quality of your voice. And then on top of that, you also have to pay a monthly fee to uh, a podcasting hosting service. There are some free ones, but generally people pay because it, it makes a difference. With ham radio, once you have you're the basic equipment, which I, again is not necessarily expensive, there is zero infrastructure between you and the other person. Uh, if you have a two, three hundred dollar uh, transmitter, uh, I should say transceiver, and you are transmitting in Morse code, you could talk to Australia for no more money than that and with no more infrastructure. It's just your machine and their machine. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a little more personal per se. Yeah, in a certain way. Yeah. In a certain way. I, 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 as personal as Morse code can get. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm not. I'm not even necessarily talking about just Morse code. I'm talking about you know voice, but really, to me, the 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 thrill of it is the fact that there is no infrastructure in between the two of you. You know, Armageddon, total apocalypse, all the lights have gone out, society has fallen fallen to pieces. Your radio will still make contacts just as good as before, so long as you can generate electricity. It's one of the oldest technologies, and it will be there long after we die. You know, you say that. You say that it's one of the oldest technologies, but the funny thing is is that we as humans, we're only just starting to understand how to use this marvelous technology, (laughs) which is crazy. Like, when I first started getting into it with the Morse code thing, I was thinking, well, okay, this is kind of a stupid rabbit hole to be falling down because... Radio, I mean, like radio is, uh, it's, it's, it's an old technology. Who's even using that anymore? But the more I started to think about it, everything we do is radio. Like Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is radio. It's not just walkie-talkies. Telecommunications companies regularly transmit information from one location to another using radio. And that by the, that technology was pioneered by ham operators, by the way. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, Every communication that NASA has ever sent to their Mars rovers is radio. Like, literally every wireless uh, communication that we use is radio. Bluetooth is a form of radio. (laughs) That's all it is. So we're just surrounded by it, and some people are not even aware, which is kind of cool. It's just everywhere. In fact, the, the cell phone in your pocket, that's a miniature transceiver. That's all it is. It's just a radio that talks to a cell tower, which then talks to other cell towers. 
it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. So yeah. uh, when you do do your ham radio, who is your target audience? Is, are you trying to do this speed race thing that you were talking about earlier on, or you like increase your contacts, or are you just so? Yeah. So for me, because my my equipment base is is so small and cheap and uh, ill-equipped to a certain degree at the moment, um, right now, all I'm trying to do is hit the repeaters. Um, I guess I should explain what a repeater is. A repeater is basically a powerful uh, transmitter that listens on one frequency and transmits on another. So let's say it's listening on on, um, frequency A and it's transmitting on frequency B. Well, I, as someone who's trying to access the repeater, will set my transceiver to transmit on frequency A and listen on frequency B. And what that means is that if I am within my transmitting distance of that that uh, that tower, uh, then I will be able to talk to a much, much larger range than I would or originally be able to because my tran- my uh, my handheld transceiver is only going to be like what four eight watts something like that the uh, the the repeater could be as much as a hundred watts or five hundred watts yeah so you can you end up being able to talk you know for a hundred miles it's great that's that's pretty impressive actually it's really really cool so you doing all this how often do you do this uh, is like three times a week every single day or once a month? Um, I mean, I, you know, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of pick up the radio, uh, whenever the, the fancy, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever it strikes me, uh, there is a weekly net that I try to, uh, log into. Uh, I missed it last week. I'm going to try to be able to log in tomorrow night. It's, uh, at Wednesdays at 9 PM, uh, here in, uh, Cleveland where I am. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, one of the local repeaters, um, has a weekly net and a a net is basically just an on-air meeting where a bunch of different hams get together and they chat and most nets have a set uh, topic of discussion and a person running the net Uh, this net has a person running it but it's really just a round table they kind of just talk about whatever and it's a great way to get over mic fright which is what everybody experiences the first time they pick up their transceiver they're very afraid (laughs) it's just natural Uh, this anxiety sets in um, and that's kind of been my, my primary contact for now. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty green. I'm very knowledgeable, but experience wise, pretty green. And I'm sure you've met so many interesting people so far. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, honestly, the one thing that I learned about all of them is they put on their pants one leg at a time, just like me, you know, they're, they're just normal people, you know, um, there, there's nothing extraordinary about them except that they are ham operators. Well, except for you, you, you're the man of, of all hobbies. So I'm sure. <laughs> well, they, they haven't figured that out yet. You, you, you can have a conversation with anybody about anything. <laughs> My wife likes to talk about how I can have a conversation with anybody about anything, but I've, I've met a couple people who I, I didn't have anything in common with. I'm, I'm a pretty good conversationalist. <laughs> you know what? I yeah. can see you and I having that kind of situation, especially with our podcast where it's all about meeting new people, right? Yeah, everybody, everybody has their barrier and you just got to work around it and figure out what they're comfortable talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but on, on, on the ham, on, on the ham, uh, uh, bands, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, ham stuff. So you, you know, people tend to talk about what their common interest is and the known topic of common interest is ham radio. So there's a lot of talk about antennas, about 
different rigs, about uh, new FCC regulations that are coming down, different different things like that. That's the typical conversation. Are the regulations pretty tight? Are they going in a direction that you say, yeah, that's good for ham radio, or they're not going in that right direction? For the most part in the U.S., they're pretty lax. Uh, ham radio has uh, a long legacy of being self-policed, and it's worked out pretty well uh, to, uh, to to a large degree. You do get, you know, the occasional mean person, you know, who doesn't, they don't speak nicely. Uh, but it's specifically, you know, the, the only explicit rules in the FCC um, rules are what you can't interfere with. So you can't interfere with broadcast, for instance, you know, um, interfering with the local commercial broadcasts. You can't interfere with uh, emergency communications. You can't interfere with aviation. There are certain wattage restrictions, but that restriction is like, 1500 watts so you're not going to bother um um, but the fcc is pretty lax um the one thing that they do say about what you can't say is uh nothing of indecent or obscene nature is i think how they phrase it um and that's pretty vague so you know and and again it's self-police so if nobody reports you then nobody's gonna know okay so it sounds like it's a lot more flexible than podcasting and uh it's good that the community sounds like they're they're on top of it and they're helping each other out. Of course, there's always that one bad apple in every group. Doesn't matter which yeah. hobby, which <laughs> field of interests. There's always that troll. Yeah, I mean it, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, but really, I think in the FCC charter for what uh, the ham the amateur radio service is, part of what they talk about is that they they have a couple core tenets of what amateur radio is for. One is for experimentation. Another is for learning, uh, and a third, oddly enough, is for fostering international goodwill. And so it is actually law that you are allowed to communicate with any person anywhere in the world so long as the leaders of that other uh, country have a, have a say that that's okay. And most of them have said that that's all right. Uh, really, just the only ones that have said no are countries like you know North Korea, who they don't want communication with anybody. So how did... Ham radio turned you into the person you are today, as in what did it teach you? You know, it's the first technical hobby that I've picked up in a long time where I really felt like there was a lot of material I needed to cover in order to become proficient. So I guess it it just made me more confident in the uh, sciencey side of myself. You know, I, I generally consider myself to be something of a dork, nerd, geek, I don't know, whatever the uh, the term is that used to be negative and isn't anymore. But, you know, there's there's a lot of math, uh, not not that much math. It's it's mostly just memorization and some basic knowledge of science. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it made me more confident, more confident, especially on the electronics side. That stuff was pretty complicated and a little tough for me to wrap my head around. And I'm guessing now, like when you go to the electronic stores, you're looking at anything that can be used for ham radio. Oh, you have no idea. It, it goes far beyond the electronic stores. I start walking, you know, driving around and I see like, you know, the towers that, you know, the police have up in their stations, you know, to for their communications. And I start noticing, oh, cool. They've got a ground plane antenna in addition to their J-pole. Cool. All right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I start noticing all those the different things. You're like, that's wrong. Um, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should, you guys should be using an NFED. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and you're like, you know, I got I to gotta keep going. Got to go to my destination. Can't stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I start noticing, uh, I, I noticed it, uh, I noticed that a neighbor nearby 
uh, right near my house. I was walking out with my wife one day and I got really excited because I saw what I thought was an antenna and I was like, I, I gotta be wrong. There's no way that that's actually an antenna because I'm just way too excited about this. What are the odds that I would actually find a ham operator this near to my, near to my house? And then my wife points out, is his, is his, does he have a vanity plate? And I look at his car and his car has his call sign <laughs> on, as the van, as the vanity plate. It was hilarious. So I looked him up and sure enough, he's a general class, uh, he's a general class operator. It was really funny. So I, I'm, I want to make contact. I haven't had the nerve to knock on his door yet, but uh, I think I'm gonna. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It shows, it shows that it's a small world. And then just around the corner, there's maybe somebody who has the exact same interests as you. And I'm sure he'll be very welcoming, especially for somebody who shares the same interests as him. Yeah, I, I, I bet you're right. It's just, you know, it takes a little nerve to knock on somebody's door and say, hey, I noticed your antenna. I'm not from the HOA or anything, but... Uh. You, could let, you could let your wife go knock. Hey, my husband's interested in you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Do you have any um, inspirations? Inspirations in, with regards to what? Uh, people who inspire you in a sense, uh, let's say, uh, an operator, like, you know what? I look up to this person and what, they, what they've done. I want to try to be like them. Or people that encourage you to keep going with your hobby of ham radio. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, mostly the people that I'm looking up to with regards to ham radio itself, uh, are people I don't know personally. They're mostly from YouTube. The one that comes to mind is, uh, uh, I forget what his first name is, but I know his call sign because he says it in the beginning of every video is, uh, KB9VBR. But he, uh, he's a guy who makes antennas and makes videos and he's just a, he seems like a really normal, uh, nice guy. He just, he was very knowledgeable and, uh, I learned a lot from his videos. My father was thinking about becoming a ham operator at one time and uh, he was, you know, scrolling through the um, the frequencies and just listening to people talk and he decided that they were too vulgar and he never got <laughs> his license. But uh, I met a couple hams and they all just seem so extremely competent with their knowledge of electronics. And I think that that's like the one side of it that's really... It's scary. You know, it like you feel like you should know and intimidating. It's you should you feel like you should know and you just never do. <laughs> you know, there's um, especially like some of these guys are building their own radios like that's some serious that's some serious work. <laughs> you know, they're soldering each component separately. It's, it's insane. It's insane how. But I could see you yeah. doing that later on because you just like new challenges. So why not? You're you already do ham radio. Yeah. So why not build your own radio? I'm not saying you have to do that right yeah. now, but I mean, I could see you doing that. I mean, I could see me doing it too, but oh man, dude, I'm serious. Like when, if you've ever seen the inside of a radio, you'll realize they are so much more complicated than most people think. Like the fact that somebody ever developed radio to me, it's just a like a work of fiction that we happen to have in the real world. It's just amazing. It really is. It's it's a piece of magic. <laughs> People should appreciate it more than they actually do. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> back in my parents' place, they actually have an old radio that's probably the size of like two mini fridges on top of each other. Uh -huh. And I wish it worked. It doesn't work anymore, and I would love to get it fixed. But just turning—it's all made out of wood. Just turning the knob. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of those old uh, one of those old radio receivers. Yeah, yeah. And it's just cool. It's an antique, of course, but it'd be even cooler if it worked. Yeah, I think uh, my brother has one of those in his house. His isn't working either. One of the ones with like all the little tubes in the back. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool. 
Those are very, very cool. So has ham radio ever stressed you out? In other words, uh, you've been working on something and it didn't go the way you wanted and you were just frustrated. And if so, what do you do to relax? Um, I guess, has ham radio ever stressed me out? I mean, to a certain degree. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll tell you one time. <laughs> I I really don't do well with tests. Uh, any kind of standardized test. Um, I get extremely nervous. Uh, the SATs were absolute hell for me. Um, <laughs> so that, that stressed me out a lot because, uh, I was, you know, looking at my calendar for the next day and I'm like, yeah, I'm taking this test tomorrow morning, Sunday, bright and early. I'm going to show up to the location, take this test. And I just didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. You know, I, I had half a mind to just not show up. Um, how did I get through it? Time, <laughs> you know, eventually I took the test and it was over. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad Basically. as you thought it'd be. It really wasn't. I got, you know, I think I got a couple questions wrong, but I passed with flying colors. Speaking of which, do you have to renew your license every year or every few years? Uh, so the lesson, the license lasts, uh, 10 years, which is really cool. And then you've got a two year grace period during which time you are not allowed to transmit. But if you renew within those two years, you get another 10 years and you don't have to take the test again. You just have to renew, which I believe is free. <laughs> so there's no reason not to. Until there's a new regulation saying you have to pay. Yeah, except, I mean, they haven't changed these regulations in many, many years. All they've done is revise what the different levels of, of you know, licensing there are. There used to be five, I think, li uh, levels of licensing. Now there's three in the U.S. That's I think that that's the majority of the changes that they've made. They've made also some changes to band compliance. So if you imagine the entire frequency of uh, the radio waves uh, portion of the electromagnetic spectrum, Right. Mm -hmm. So there's the electromagnetic spectrum uh, at the very, very low end. You've just got vibrations. Then you've got uh, uh, audible sound and then you've got radio and above that microwaves and so on and so forth. Well, in the radio frequency spectrum, it gets divided up, you know, into portions that we call bands. And those bands are named by approximate wavelength of that band of, of that range of frequencies. So within each band, there are going to be sub portions uh, in each band that uh, there are going to be regulations based country to country, and you're going to have different rights within those. So, uh, for instance, uh, um, HF is where most of the ham operators are because we have the we have a lot of real estate in HF. On a, as opposed to VHF, uh, VHF is used for TV, it's used for radio, you know, uh, commercial radio. So we've got one band um, and the rest of it is for commercial use. And then on UHF, there's a lot of police chatter and uh, there's a lot of uh, aviation um, chatter. So again, we've got one band. I don't remember why I was saying that, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, I was talking about, uh, so yeah, like you did answer my question. The question was just simply, uh, did you have to renew your license? But you went into great detail, which is perfect. Yeah, I went into too much detail. No, 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 Sometimes it's never, you, never too hard, much. People love the sometimes information. Sometimes the hard, <laughs> sometimes the hard part is getting me to shut up. So <laughs> hey, this is your time. You could talk about your hobby to your heart content. Uh, so do you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started ham radio? Um, I guess getting clear information was the hardest part. Before I bought the manual, I was getting some conflicting information on the internet. And in particular, making the choice of which radio to buy, uh, there's 
a lot of different radio rigs out there and getting the information on which one to buy was complicated just because there's so many different features that you can look for and almost none of them have all of them. And the ones that do have all of them are over $800. So I just, it's just not in the budget. So uh, I, as true to form, I made some uh, spreadsheets and charts, <laughs> uh, comparing and contrasting all of them, including prices and, um, yeah, choosing a radio, I think was probably the hardest. And then after that was finding true information. Cause like I said, there, there was a lot of conflicting information that I was finding. Dear old internet, good truth and yeah. bad truth. And then, yeah, yeah, do that, do this. And it's like, nope, that, don't do that. Don't do this. So it's all, it's all about, yeah. it's about research and knowing where to look. Although I'll, I will tell you that uh, Reddit was extremely helpful because there is a really, really good subreddit called Amateur Radio, which if anybody is interested in ham radio, they should absolutely check out first and foremost. And they gave me some great recommendations with regards to getting started before I was even uh, before I was even licensed, because you only need to be licensed to transmit. If you just want to listen, just buy a radio and listen. Just don't transmit. Reddit, Reddit is one of those magical websites that I feel that there's a community for everything and anything and people who are helpful, they really want to just see everybody th uh, like stride and just succeed. Yes. And there are so many people who don't even know what Reddit really is or, or they've never been able to figure it out. Yeah. That's where I learned most, pretty much everything about podcasting. And you ask a question and people will jump on and that's why I wanted to give back. So I've taught or I shared all the information I've learned so far from podcasting. So that's us giving back to the community. Now, yeah. what is your current biggest challenge? My current biggest challenge is building an antenna. Your first antenna is kind of like a rite of passage for most uh, ham operators. Right now, what I'm trying to figure out is how much it's going to cost. And then I got to budget how long it's going to take me to save up to buy those materials. I'm trying to figure out the cheapest way to do it. I think that the cheapest way to to build my first antenna is actually going to be about thirty five bucks or so. Uh, so that I can I can probably do you know in a week or so. But after that, I've got much more ambitious antennas that I'm planning on building for other frequency ranges and things like that. So that's the that's the current challenge. Hey, whatever keeps you on your toes and keeps you going, and I'm sure you're going to accomplish this challenge in no time. You're the man who knows how to do everything. <laughs> I think you may be putting just a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much confidence in my abilities. <laughs> it's too late. The confidence is there. I can't take it back. <laughs> do you have any pet peeves regarding ham radio? Yes, I do. There's a lot of controversy regarding something called DMR. Uh, DMR is I'm trying to remember. Digital mobile radio. That's what it that's what it refers to. Basically, the premise of digital mobile radio is oh man, I'm just wondering if it's a little bit too complicated to explain, but basically, imagine you take your voice, okay, and instead of just modulating it with a radio signal, uh, with an FM signal using frequency modulation, you use you turn it into a digital signal, right? Ones and zeros, and then you modulate that on frequency modulation, right? So then you send it to another radio and they demodulate it and they turn it back into audio. Okay, cool. Well, once you're turning it into ones and zeros, you can package in other stuff. You can package in encryption keys and things like that. 
And sending it from one radio to another, it's a little bit more secure. Also, you can have something called talk groups where multiple people are listening, but you can send to only a specific subset of that group. So it's really useful. Well, once the ham operators got a hold of this technology, DMR, they were like, well, what would happen if we use DMR in conjunction with a repeater, which I was explaining before? If you use it in conjunction with a repeater, then you can have multiple people talking on a repeater at the same time and not talking to each other, which is which would be great. We can use a repeater for multiple conversations. Well, that's pretty cool. What else can we do with it? We can connect a repeater to the internet. Since the repeater is a physical location, we can connect it to the internet. And since it's ones and zeros, we can send that information over the internet. Well, now what we've done is we've set up digital repeaters all around the world that are all internet connected. And so if you have a DMR radio, as long as you can hit one of those repeaters, you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world that also has DMR radio. Why is this a pet peeve of mine? Because to me, it all comes back to the infrastructure. I don't want to ever rely on that much infrastructure. Mm. I think that once we go back to using the internet for radio, it loses that it loses that spark for me. And if the internet ever goes down, you don't have then it it's, anymore. It's completely useless. Yeah. That's the good thing about yeah. ham radio. It's there. Like you said, after the apocalypse, it's going to still be there. Yes. It's just, it's technology, pure and simple. It doesn't rely on anything. Let me tell you something really crazy, really, really, really crazy about how powerful this technology is. I think I underscored it before, but I, I want to take it one step further. If you have absolutely perfect conditions, perfect sunspots, perfect everything, and, and, and a good deal of power going into your transmitter, right? And a good antenna, everything. Perfect, perfect, perfect. When you transmit and you stop transmitting, you'll hear an echo as the signal travels all the way around the earth and back into your own headphones. Really? Yes. It's crazy. Wow. That must be like a surreal experience. Yeah, I am. I would imagine it's, you know, it's, it's extremely rare. So like, I don't want to overstate it, but that's how powerful it is. It can literally reach anywhere in the world, including you <laughs> by the longest route possible. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, you're just hoping for that one day. You're just like listening at the end. Oh you're like, man. Did I hear it? Did I hear it? <laughs> did I hear it? Did I hear it? <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. That would be really, really cool. But uh, far more common is for people to bounce their signals off of the moon or bounce their signals off of meteor scatters um, or... Uh, they they will use apps, um, web apps, uh, to track the location of the ISS, the International Space Station, and when it's passing overhead, they'll be able to make communications with the International Space Station. Almost all of the astronauts aboard the space station are certified, are licensed hams, and so they will be able to communicate, which is really, really cool. You can talk directly to the astronauts. That's cool. And this might be a really yeah. stupid question or idea. Or just, yeah, a question, like, do, do you think dolphins would feel it since they use a lot of uh, echo sonar? Um, like, it just, it sounds, it's like, it could be a really stupid question. If it is, I'm just taking it out of this podcast, but. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> um, I don't think it's a stupid question. There is, there has been some evidence that uh, animals can feel radio. Uh, dolphins in particular, I would say no, uh, because they are underwater and, uh, you need very specific frequencies of radio to penetrate water. Um, in fact, submarines have serious communication issues. 
for very local communications, they are able to use uh, ELF, which is extremely low frequency, and that's able to penetrate the water, but it doesn't travel very far. So once they get, you know, into the middle of uh, the Arctic Circle, they can't communicate that way. And so they actually need to surface in order to uh, communicate with satellites, which then communicates back with the base. So it sounds like water is that one element that makes it harder. Yes. Yeah. Water is is uh, not easy to penetrate with with radio. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some misconceptions about people who do ham radio? Um, I would say, number one, there's there's two big ones. The first is that we're all preppers. <laughs> I think that uh, everyone thinks that uh, ham operators are all preppers. Um, I'm not a prepper. <laughs> uh, in fact, I think most of us are a better stereotype about us is that we're all nerds. Uh, we all like ham radio because it's uh, it's just a really cool technology. Uh, the other misconception is that we're all old men who have nothing better to talk about than antennas and prostates. Um, <laughs> I am not <laughs> I am not an old man and I don't own a really big antenna yet. <laughs> and you don't like to talk about your prostate. <laughs> I'm, I'm not willing to talk about my prostate. <laughs> and so do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking it up as a hobby? Um, yes, I would say don't put off taking your test. Taking that first test is a massive barrier and a lot of people just never even get into it because they're just always preparing always preparing always preparing and they never actually take the plunge i would say study for a couple weeks and then take the test uh, so that you can get on air as quickly as possible i think speed should be the goal the second one is uh listen 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 as much as possible listen and that will teach you more than a lot of books will. Um, an easy and quick way to listen is to go to something called SDR.org. That's softwaredefinedradio.org. And basically what it is is people uh, leave their radios on uh, and they've got all sorts of fancy antennas. And so you can take advantage of that. And then they stream it to the Internet and you'll be able to scrub around and find conversations from their area of the world and be able to listen to what ham radio actually sounds like. And you'll see it doesn't it's not alien at all. It's really just a conversation between two people like what we're having right now, but a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it can be it can go on for hours or it could be as short as 15 seconds long. Yeah, those are the speed calls. Remember speed dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The contesting. Yeah. Um, so do you have any links or websites that you would like to share with the listeners? It could either be personal links to your podcast, to your home ham radio. Well, not a link to your ham radio, but a way for people <laughs> to find you uh, through ham radio uh, websites or anything at all. It doesn't even have to be related to you. It could be websites or other ham radio hosts that you think should be shared with. Uh, absolutely. So my podcast uh, called uh, What Makes You Happy is available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can also find it uh, in, in addition to all the subscription links uh, on my website at clevelandcreativeoutlet.com slash WMYH. In addition, you can uh, email me at david, that's D-O-V-I-D, at clevelandcreativeoutlet.com. You can find my QRZ page for Ham Radio uh, at qrz.com and my call sign is ke8 lima golf papa kilo echo 8 lima golf papa and uh, i guess that i guess that that would be all the the links and contacts uh please subscribe <laughs> yeah subscribe share and share just pretty much share with everybody you know because he's a very interesting yeah. person that was on his podcast and he asked great question he has great guests and 
it's very informative and he always has interesting like quotes at the end and like it's not just a simple podcast like mine where I'm just asking question back to back to back. He has not just a simple podcast like mine, he says, and he's got like, (laughs) well, you know, you got trivia game, like speed round. You're very interactive, which is great. I'm just here asking stupid questions about dolphins. (laughs) I don't think the dolphins was a stupid question. I actually wonder, I think I, I would bet you that birds would probably uh, pick up some form of radio. The thing is, though, is that if they picked it up in any serious way, uh, they we would have noticed by now because there's a lot of radio in our atmosphere. So, yeah, <laughs> just sound waves just bouncing off birds, and you see them. Why are they flying crooked? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, they're drunk. It's like the drunk birds. It's yeah. the time of the day. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about him, I'll put all the information in the uh, description below. So you can click that. You can follow that. You can find that. Um, So what I tend to do, I say this on every show, I throw the question back to you. Do you have any questions for me about ham radio? Um, Yeah, I guess. I guess. uh, How crazy do people think? I am <laughs> with regards to ham radio. Do do people think that uh, that ham operators are nuts <laughs> because they're using this, the, you know, these big bulky boxes and uh, for, like for me personally, I don't think they're, uh, you guys are nuts. Unfortunately, in movies, they portray people like when I say who do ham radio as crazy. Remember, was it uh, that movie 2012 where it's like the end of the world? Uh... It was like the end of the world. It had that uh, actor. And it, anyways, he was like doing his own ham radio and he's like the crazy guy with all the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And I feel like in movies, they portray people who do ham radio as, oh, okay, I'm, I'm crazy about this. I'm going to figure this out. And, right. but in reality, right. it's normal people who put on their pants one leg at a time. Right. Right. Well, and it, so like in Far Cry 5, the, the video game, they had a lot of, um, not really ham operators. They had CB, which is unregulated, but uh, because they had so many preppers characters in that game, um, they had a lot of like ham type equipment lying around and they were all kind of kooks. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. They, they just got to portray them better. I, I personally do not think you guys are crazy. You're definitely not. I, in my eyes, I see you guys as somebody who is like a, a, a level above podcasting and a, lo- a level above <laughs> radio stations in the sense that it's all done by one person or let's say a few people, not a whole company. And you're just taking this out of your free time. You're learning how to, like, like you said, some people build radios and trying to build an antenna and just the whole complexity yeah. of it. It's, I find it amazing. I'd love to do that, but I don't well, think, you know, the, the show, the show uh, with Tim Allen, what's that called? Uh, home uh, Last Man Standing, that new oh, show. Yeah. No, the new show. No, it's not it's home, kind improvement. Of like home Improvement, but it's the new one. Um, yeah. Last Man Standing. He's a ham operator. And uh, and he's got his whole station in his basement. His is very serious. Mine is not nearly as serious. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that's what ham operators <laughs> you know look like a lot of the time. Yeah, but uh, it's you know, so I I tried to record as much as I could of my my process of getting into ham operating uh, ham radio. So uh, I'm actually going to be releasing a whole uh, podcast episode about that. And I I think while when this podcast episode is live, it will already exist. So. Yeah, you should go and take a look at it. <laughs> yeah, this one's coming out around May, so yeah, so yeah, th- my mine is coming out sooner than that. Yeah, so uh, I'm a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to recording. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely link that. It once uh, yours is up, I'll put that in the description below as well, so people can find it and learn even more about ham radio. You gave so much 
useful information and it makes me want to actually look into it now. And then now I know for a fact when I'm going to be driving down the road and if I see a, a tower, I'm like, oh, well, is it a tower for like a cell phone tower or like for a radio tower? Like I'm just going to like analyze. I'm going to ask the stupid questions as well. My wife is going to think yeah. I'm crazy. But yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and you, you really do start noticing the antennas everywhere, by the way. Like I was driving down the highway the other day and, you know, the lights that they've got, you know, uh, flooding the, the highways. Mm-hmm. I started noticing that there were antennas on top of each of those. <laughs> In your mind, it's just a bunch of antennas everywhere. That's that's awesome. Just, like, but that's what I love about it. When you pick up a new hobby, you start noticing things that you would have never noticed before, before you took the yeah, hobby. Yeah, yeah. Got into D and D, and I started noticing critical role stickers everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the D twenty die. At first, you're like, "What is that?" Right. But who needs twenty what sides to a thing? dice? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, David, for coming on the show and sharing your hobby with the world. I definitely learned a lot more. And like I said before, I'm going to just be keeping an eye out for everything related to radio. And like, oh, even for like garage sales, I'm going to just look at a radio and say, can I ask him, <laughs> can I open it up? Can I just take a look inside? I want to see what my, uh, my friend David told me about the inside of a radio, how complex it is. <laughs> If you if you see a good deal on one of those, you should pick them up because they can go for quite a lot of money. Yeah, I just got. I would just bargain with them. Say, oh yeah, this is garbage. Yeah, yeah, this uh, classic uh, retro. You know, this thing that's worth thousands of dollars is millions of dollars. No, it's actually worth uh, chewing gum. <laughs> just for the record, I do not advocate lying. But yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant two chewing gums. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you want to learn more about him, I'll put all the information in the description below. You can go check him out. And if you want to come on my show or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. So if you find this episode useful or informational, like it helps somebody out, you can by all means share it with somebody, a family member, a friend, or you can even come on and say, hey, Alex, this was cool. I want to talk about my, I want to talk about my hobby. But yeah, this is an open door. Sharing is caring. So once again, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>